We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Rob Doster here. I got Jeff Goodman with me. Hell no. John Fink. Are we still live? Feel the 68 till I die. I'm sorry, man. I blacked out. Randolph Children. DJ Khaled. You know the big DJ Khaled guy? And bro. Up and in. Goodman needs to be fired all the time. Josh Tasker. You're going to beat people straight up. You know the deal. They have no swag. They have no nothing. Terrell McNeil. From the bluest of the blue bloods to the smallest of the mid-majors. This is Feel the 68. After dark. Welcome to the Field of 68 After Dark on this Tuesday night. Number one goes down. That is where we begin. Final score, number 15, Creighton, 85. Number one, Connecticut, 66. I'm John Fanta. We've got John Henson here tonight. We've got Rob Dalster here tonight. So let's get right into it, gentlemen. Connecticut's 14-game winning streak is over. First loss since Seton Hall on December 20th. The Creighton Blue Jays beat number one for the first time in program history. Just another milestone for Greg McDermott. And Creighton moves to 2-20 and all-time against top three teams. Hey, good news for you, UConn fans. The last time Creighton beat a top three team, February 2018, they beat Villanova. Villanova went on to win the national championship. So, Rob Doster, what is your immediate reaction to the Creighton Blue Jays handing the Connecticut Huskies only their third loss of the season? Uh, I was so, so, so impressed with what Creighton did defensively. I think everyone's going to talk about, uh, you know, Stephen Ashworth and the threes that they hit and the stuff that they were running and, and putting up 85 points on a UConn team that for the last two months has been a top three defense in college basketball, according to uh, to Bart Torvik. Uh, but I, I just what what Creighton was able to do to mess up what UConn was running offensively is not something that you see very often, right? I think we kind of know it at this point. It's such an intricate offense and there's so many different actions and so many different movements and so many different ways that they can create uh, shots out of what they do. There's counters to their counters to their counters. It's very, very difficult to guard. And Creighton did an unbelievable job at running them off of the three-point line. Basically what the, the defensive plan was is you're going to go every go over every single screen. You're not going to let UConn get any shots at a three. You're going to try to funnel them towards the rim, and you're basically going to say, go ahead, we got Ryan Kalkbrenner at the bucket. Go try to figure out how to score over him. And they did a fantastic job executing that. UConn looked lost for about the first – coming out of like the, the – about the, the under-16 timeout of the first half – 
through about the under 16 timeout of the second half, UConn just had, looked like they had no idea what they were doing. And it is so rare to see a UConn offense look like that. Credit to Creighton, man. When you're when they're going to defend like that, and then they're going to also make 12 of the first 23s, I don't know how you beat them in that building. Henson, what happened? You know, um, I liken this to like a buzzsaw, right? Like, <laughs> yes, UConn could have played better. Yes, Creighton was ready. Um, but at the end of the day, 14 for 28 for three, like Rob said, the defensive game plan was done to a T. UConn started off this game 7-0, right? Like, it wasn't like it wasn't like it was just from the jump, right? Like, it looked a little shaky early on, but they settled in, and, and the threes were the difference maker in this game. And and I even credit UConn to even scrapping back to get it to 10 points with four minutes left. Like, that just showed me how good they are. Like, this, everything's going wrong. Nothing can go right, yet it's a 10-point game with four minutes left. If they get a stop at that position and score a two- or three-pointer, you know, we, we've got a bit of a ball game. So um, credit to Creighton. This was kind of a long time coming. Uh, and, and UConn struggles to win in Omaha for some odd reason. But um, I don't think it changes my stance on the Huskies. 24-3, and 14-2. Um, they still are who they are. This is a game that when I was playing, we, we coach would come to the locker room and say, look, tough game. Bad game. We're going to throw the tape out. We're not even going to worry about this game. Let's go to practice and focus on the next opponent. And I think UConn will be fine. Yeah, John, I just want to add something real quick to that. I think Creighton, and we talked about this before the last time that these two teams played, Creighton and UConn are very similar in that uh, they don't have a ton of creativity one-on-one, -on -one, and a lot of what they do offensively is out of running their sets and being creative and taking advantage of Dan Hurley and Luke Murray and the offense they put together and taking advantage of Greg McDermott and some of the really cool stuff that he runs and the really intricate offense that they run. And the way to be able to uh, beat these teams, both of them, is to be able to mess up what they do you got to be disruptive def defensively. You can't let them just kind of stand there and not have the ball pressure and be able to run their offense and run these screens and get these different actions and be able to get open shooters running into a three. And that's what UConn did. The other part, Donovan Klingon picked, picked up two fouls five minutes into the game. They bring in Samson Johnson. We talk all, all the time about how they run the different ball screen defenses, right? When Samson Johnson hedges hard, uh, I think Creighton has too many passers. you got to tag the roller. All of a sudden, you're playing two-on-one -on, -one on the weak side, and Creighton has too many good passers. And once they started getting some open threes and they saw a couple go down, I think they hit nine straight shots and six straight threes in like an eight-minute stretch in the second half. And, um, yeah, I mean, credit to them. What they did offensively was was – uh, was, was too good for UConn. UConn wasn't able to disrupt them, wasn't able to disrupt their set. Creighton was, and that's why we saw what we saw tonight. It was a really, really, really impressive performance from Creighton. We will I was, have... was going to add to that too, Rob. I was going to say, I actually was sitting there thinking like, Creighton looks like UConn offensively right now. Mm -hmm. How the ball was popping. There's energy in the ball. There's continuity. So, um they ran up against a Creighton team is ready tonight. Um, if they see them again, I'd be worried. I hope Creighton doesn't. I hope they don't have to see them again because UConn might have revenge on their minds and it might get ugly. Well, around three in New York City and Madison Square Garden in a little over three weeks would be absolutely delightful. I did the first meeting between these two teams in stores, and UConn punked Creighton in that game. Creighton scored forty-eight points in that first game. Forty-eight in the entirety of the game. They hit 48 early in the second half tonight. 
And I think this comes down to three things. Number one, if you allow Cam Spencer or Alex Caravan to get cooking from the perimeter, you are in for a very long night because Newton's the head of this snake and clinging on the interior, foul trouble or not, at some point he's going to make an impact. And he did when Connecticut went on their second half surge. Creighton took away Alex Caravan and Cam Spencer's explosive ability tonight. They held the duo to 5 of 15 from the floor. 5 of 15 from the floor. John, you said that that this was a mirror from the first game. Well, in the first meeting between these two teams, UConn held Shireman and Alexander to a combined 6 for 23 from the floor. So I, I just thought that that was the first thing. Number two, you go 14 to 28 from three, you're going to beat just about anybody. And at the end of the day, the player that Stephen Ashworth was January 17th is not the player that he is now. He's finally figured out what Greg McDermott's asking of him. And it's a direct credit to McDermott and the job he's done. And number three, UConn, over the last two months, has gotten used to punching somebody in the mouth, and they don't <laughs> punch back. They don't punch back because there's a fear factor. The rest of the Big East, with the exception of Creighton, has a fear obstacle to get over. Creighton does not. What's Creighton's record against UConn now in Omaha? 4-0. What's their record against UConn all time? 7-2. and So when Connecticut opened the game on a 7-0 run and an 11-3 run, it wasn't stop the fight. The fight was just beginning. And UConn got hit back tonight. They got hit back by a team. It was criminal that they were not in the top 16 reveal from the committee on Saturday. And in terms of bracket implications, you can bet your bottom dollar, Rob, that the Creighton Blue Jays are going to be a top four seed in March Madness. Yeah, that was a, that was a win that they – I don't want to say they absolutely needed it because we're talking about a team that was already a five seed. They were a four seed in our fielding the 68 bracket, and everybody knows how good this group is. But I do think that um, it says a lot about – who this team is that they can come out here and respond to that, right? Like I, I, we saw some struggles from Creighton earlier in the year. The one that stands out to me is the the Colorado State loss on the neutral floor where they only put up forty eight points, where they kind of got down early and they couldn't really figure it out and get it going. Now, a lot of this I think has to do with playing in that building, right? When you have eighteen thousand people, half of them in blue, half of them in white, going absolutely crazy because the number one team in the country is in your building, like there, it's very easy to get the energy from that, and it's very easy to avoid having um, those letdowns. But it's not just playing in their building, right? It's not just because they were it was a home game for them. Creighton, I thought it was a great game plan. I thought it was fantastic execution. I thought they were the tougher team defensively. They got to all the loose balls. They got a little bit of luck because they were the one to get clinging in foul trouble before Cal Brenner got in foul trouble. And sometimes that's just the way the ball bounces. But I don't I actually thought, and tell me if you guys think this is crazy. I don't think UConn played horribly. Right, like they struggled oh, to get the you. shots that they wanted in the first half. I thought that defensively they were not as good uh, as we've seen them in the past. But I don't think that they they played 19 points worse than Creighton here. They deserve to lose. Don't get me wrong, but I think this says everything about Creighton what they can be on the nights when they shoot like that. And you know what? When you got Baylor Shireman and you got um, you got Stephen Ashworth and you got Trey Alexander and you got Mason Miller and you got guys together, they they brought in Jason Green off the bench, who was a guy that was hyped up in the off season. He has taken two threes all year, John. He hasn't made a three all season. He made two tonight. His first two. That, when that happens, that's one of those ones where you're just like, all right, 
games over. Let's pack this up. Nobody get injured. I don't want any sprained ankles. Mm-hmm. Nobody hurt your knee. Don't do anything dumb. Don't break your finger. Let's just get out of here uninjured, and we'll we'll regroup. And we get Villanova and Seton, Seton Hall at home. And if we win both of those, then we're going to win at minimum a share of the Big East title. It's just one of those nights, man. It kind of is what it is. I don't know what you could say about it beyond that. Hey, look. In seven, college basketball is not a seven-game series, unfortunately. If it was, UConn would win the game, win the series. I think win the championship. UConn or Purdue. That's why it's the best sport to me. That's why it's not seven games. One game, you get sent home. I think in a seven-game series, UConn wins 4-1, right? But unfortunately, that's not how it works. And Creighton showed us tonight, anyone can be beat. And I think that's just has been a story of college basketball this year. Rob, we talk about Dan Hurley, and you're right, John. It has been a story of college basketball this year. We talk about UConn, their offensive evolution, philosophically, and then what's happened on the floor. They were a team early on under Hurley. They're just going to win a bar fight over you. They're going to be physical. They're going to get up in you. They're going to defend at a high level. They still do that when they're at their best. They defend at a high level. But, Rob, they've shifted to getting a point guard who can facilitate, and Tristan Newton can score quite well. And I know you you got into this a little bit on, on Newton and how UConn mm-hmm. may need that, that scoring ability, which I know you'll get into here. But to me – the way that this program's taken off over the last two years has been their ability to space the floor and have multiple guys where you say, shoot, we can't leave him. And I just thought tonight, Creighton's ability to track the shooters. I mean, Mm -hmm. after the first three, four minutes of the game, have you seen UConn's offense actually get that type of resistance from the other team in the last two months? Not to the level we saw tonight. No, it was, again, credit to what Creighton did defensively. They had the perfect game plan, and they executed it perfectly. Here's here's what I mean by that. On the season, UConn is shooting 41.4% of their field goal attempts from beyond the arc. They took 16-3 tonight, 16-3 tonight out of their 59 field goals. Like, they, they were run off the three-point line. Creighton had a perfect game plan to execute it. They have the perfect roster to be able to do that, uh, and they it just it worked. Right. And they got caught fire offensively. It just kind of is what it is. Um, The point about Newton, though, I think is important because there is going to be a day in the NCAA tournament, in the Big East tournament, where a team is going to be able to do this to UConn. Right. We saw Kansas do this to UConn and find a way to be able to take away what they wanted to run offensively. And uh, to have Tristan Newton be able to give you 27 and four assists or give you 31 and six assists like he did at Kansas kind of says to me, when he needs to, he can go out there and take over a game. Now, I would like to see him try to do that a little bit earlier instead of when UConn is down by 20 points in the second half when he sees that it's not really working. But uh, there's going to be a game of the big dance or a game in the Big East tournament where UConn needs Tristan Newton to go supernova to have a chance to win. And it's nice to see that he at least has the ability to do that in his arsenal. And I don't know if we necessarily knew that um, before this game. John? Do you still believe in UConn more than anybody in college basketball? Yeah, I do. Um, Like I said, I mean, if you look at these blowouts this year, usually they get worse, right? Teams just kind of fold up. Coach Hurley was clapping them up, cheering them up. They kept playing. Cam Cam Spence kept playing. Trisha Newton was still playing hard, and and they fought back. And I think that's just a testament to – how good this team is. Bad night, it happens, but 
Most teams would have packed it up. Similar to Tennessee tonight, right? Struggled down the stretch, figured it out. You know, that's a sign of a good team. I'm not worried about them at all. I think this is actually perfect for them. This is going to motivate them. They're not going to rest on their laurels. UConn has Villanova Saturday for the Wildcats. Mm. Hey, UConn's going to be just fine. Nothing to be overly concerned about. We'll talk more about it. Coming up on After Dark. What's going on, guys? Before we get back to the show, I need to let you all know about the Field of 68 Daily, an all-encompassing college basketball newsletter that arrives in your inbox, you guessed it, daily. For less than a dollar a week, you'll wake up every morning to more than 1,500 words detailing everything that you need to know to stay up to date on the world of college basketball. From the notable mid-major upsets to the stars that are out injured to the breakout performances that only our team of college basketball junkies watched the daily is edited and produced by mike miller who spent more than two decades running nbc's digital written content and is subscribed by more than half of the division one coaching staffs the biggest names in college basketball media and the agents that work as power brokers in the sport for just 50 dollars for the year you get access to the same information that the insiders get and before we get you back to your regularly scheduled Field of 68 content, let me tell you guys about the Field of 68 merch store. Head over to fieldof68.shop for officially branded Field of 68 apparel. Whether you're supporting your favorite team in the student section or from the couch, there is no better way to gear up than the latest from the Field of 68. The best thing I can say about our merch is the quality of the product. Anyone that has ever worn a t-shirt knows how frustrating it is when the neck gets all stretched out and the bottom of the shirt starts looking like the bottom of bell-bottom jeans. And there's nothing worse than a hoodie that loses its snugness that makes it such a perfect way to stay warm during the cold winter weather. Whether you're shopping for yourself or for the college basketball fan in your life, everything you need is at the Field of 68.shop. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Welcome back to the Field of 68. After dark, John Fanta, Rob Dalster, and John Henson with you. So UConn goes down tonight. 
uh, to Creighton. Blue Jays get a huge win, but it's also been a very, very busy night around college basketball, guys. So you go in the Big 12 right now. TCU and Texas Tech are going down to the wire. You go to BYU. This just went final. BYU beats Baylor 78-71. to So the Cougars get a big win. They get revenge on the Bears. Uh, to me, Rob, that that just went final. That's a big win for Mark Pope, who his team was picked in the basement of the Big 12, and they pull out that victory over the Baylor Bears. Yeah, you know, the Marriott Center is is kind of like uh, playing in Omaha, where you're going to have 22,000 people that are going to pack that building. They're all going to be wearing white. They're all going to be screaming at you. They're all going to be mean. They're all going to be calling you names. Um, and it's never an easy place to play. And, and I think Baylor kind of found that out tonight. It was also good to see BYU kind of get one of these wins, right? It, it's been, it's not like it's been yeah. the easiest run for them. Um, the last time that they had a win over a team that we think is going to make the tournament was probably the win over Texas on January 27th. And there's no guarantee that Texas is dancing outside of that. They beat Iowa State at home, which is going to have some legs. But that's really the only win on their resume before tonight where you look at it and you say, okay, that is a team, like, that's a statement win. That tells us how good this BYU team is. They've been a metric starling all season long. I'm sorry, they beat San Diego State too. I don't know why I forgot about that. But um, they've been a metric starling all season long, and it's nice to see them start piling up some of these big wins, right? And I'll tell you this, Henson, Ali Khalifa, I don't know how many people are more fun to watch than this dude. You got a 6'11", a uh, guy that looks like he's not a, a McDonald's All-American. He looks like he's an All-McDonald's American, and he's out here dropping <laughs> dimes. Um, when I, when I, someone told me the other day, I was talking to a scout, and they're like, "I love watching this dude. He's the Egyptian Jokic, and it's it's a lot of fun to watch him. Man, he just the way that he could drop dimes in the offense. He's so important to what they do. It's BYU is a fun team to watch, and it's nice to be able to see them get some wins. They'll be dangerous in March because of the way that they can shoot. Whew. I mean, they're eighth in the country in offense, John. They're 15th in Kempom. This isn't the early on. Everybody was wondering, is this a fluke of some sort? Yeah, they've had some losses, but but John Henson, you enter the Big 12. We're thinking to ourselves, how are they going to handle it? How are they going to be? Well, when you look at the pieces that they've got offensively, they rely on the three point shot. Sometimes that can backfire on them. But as Rob just said, between Khalifa and between what we've seen from Jackson Robinson, those BYU Cougars have handled the move to the Big 12 just fine. They have, and, and 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 they started off so hot, and we kind of fell in love with them. But they kind of have been meddling as a team in the Big Twelve. Need to get a good win. They win the games they're supposed to win. They lose the games that maybe we didn't think they would win. And like Rob said, they're a metrics darling. So this is a team that you know get them at a neutral site. We're gonna look forward. Get them in a neutral site in the tournament. And catch them on the wrong night, and, and, and they're going to send you home. And I think tonight, even you know, with Baylor not necessarily having the best three-point defense, this was a game that I thought BYU could get from them, which they did. Um, even with Baylor kind of having success as of late, um, this was a good spot for BYU to get a win, and, and Baylor kind of to have a letdown, especially being in the Marriott Center, which is a you know tough place to play. I enjoy I enjoy watching BYU play. It's fun to watch them play. They, they play a fun style of basketball, full, fun brand of basketball. So it was good for them to get this win. I cannot wait for the Big 12 tournament. Like, that is going to be wait. absolutely insane what is going to be happening when that tournament starts to happen. Because I, I think a, a Cincinnati, Oklahoma, Texas, a team that's desperate but talented could win that whole thing. So it's going to be a lot on the line. 
Yeah, John, I will just add this too about BYU. The the last five games I got here at Kansas State, at Kansas, TCU at home, at Iowa State, Oklahoma State at home. They're right now projected yeah. as a six seed on fielding the 68 before this Baylor win. They needed some uh they, they needed to get some wins, right? Because I mean, look, it's the Big 12. Every single game that you play is tough, but like three or next four on the road. This thing could spiral. If they lost this game, they'd be five and seven in the league. Uh, I'm sorry, six and seven in the league, uh, and a chance to lose three of the next four. It's just it's not, you know, it's they needed this one. They needed this one. You know, Rob, I, I wanted to – we're waiting on some guests here. We've got a, a ton of, of stuff to get to. we got Bubble Watch as well. And TCU Texas Tech has yet to go final one-point game with 12.7 seconds left. But you talked about Houston last night, and you said you still have some mm-hmm. – some, I'm not going to say major concerns. I'm going to say mild, mild on in terms of in the NCAA tournament. So I was sitting there thinking, all right, well – if he thinks that about Houston, I'm not going to sit here and disagree with him. I, I think there's some le- legitimacy there. But, Rob, if I gave you 100 bucks, right, and I said, head on over to our friends at BetMGM, and you're going to ride a team, you're going to hop on a wagon with one Big 12 team in the NCAA tournament, whose wagon are you getting into? I mean, it's so hard to, to not go with Bill Self. Um, but I think I'd probably have to go with Kelvin Sampson simply because I don't, I, I think they're kind of upset proof, right? Like, I, I don't know if they can go out and win. Let's just say they get to the second weekend, right? You got to win four games against top 15 kind of competition. I don't know if they have the ceiling to be able to do that four straight times, but they're not getting picked off by someone worse than them. Like, they're just too tough and too physical. You got to have stud guards to have any chance against them and you also got to have stud bigs because they got they got we talk about dogs henson we talk about junk yard dogs you know what houston has a thousand of it feels like every single guy on their team that's taller than six seven is an absolute junkyard dog if you're six seven with a seven foot six wingspan and a 40 inch vertical like samson's gonna find you you know who would have been a perfect fit for kelvin samson's uh houston teams a young man by the name of John Henson, the 2012 National Ooh. Player of the Year. He got robbed. <laughs> what do you think of Calvin Henson? What do you think of Calvin Sampson? I, I Rob's just, Rob's right on point. He, he's a coach I would have wanted to play for. Um, you know, if if I had to pick a team today, um, I wouldn't. I, I'm I'm being honest. I don't like Houston only because I was doing some deep dive into the metrics. And Houston's pace of play could be a problem just from a standpoint of historically. Their pace, they're a good team. They're super efficient, so they still measure up to those Final Four metrics, those championship contender metrics. But they're all the way on the other end where Virginia was when they won it. So it's possible. But at the same time, it is Houston. And I think they do have a chance to win it all. But I'm going to probably go Kansas, right? I think Kansas is a, is a buy low right now. There's a team that, you know, Bill Self's been there before. They've got experience. They've got older guys. McCullough's getting back in the fold. So if I had to pick one, I'd go Kansas only because I don't know if Houston's style of play can bring them back if they get down. As we saw with UConn today, right? UConn gets down 15 oh, points, 10 points. UConn can, can get, get back into that game. I don't know if Houston can do that. They're going to lock you up, but can they score efficient enough, fast enough? And and, and we all know, you know, tournaments are going to get to that point. I'm sorry. Finn, are you okay? No, I'm not. 
I'm watching Texas Tech complete a win over TCU, okay? There are students who just ran out of the court. You, you just beat oh, I unranked. Thought they lost. I, thought, I thought they lost. I thought they lost. Uh, I thought they lost, John. I was like, no, not my, my parlay. No, Texas Tech won the game. You beat unranked TCU. Lubbock, I think you, your fans are fantastic. Creighton, Court Storman, number one and 114 in a row. I'm not going to sit here and object. It looked like a party there. Texas Tech students, you don't storm the court for being an unranked TCU team. That's ridiculous. I've never heard of such a thing. By the way, the game ended. Texas Tech wins by one, just went final. TCU was trying to foul. The officials did not signal anything with like 1.8 seconds. Game goes final. So Texas Tech wins 82 to 81. Red Raiders had lost to Iowa State and obviously blown out Kansas. And, uh, they end up beating TCU 82-81. We've got Stephen Ashworth. Yes, we do. From Omaha, who's joining us now after his Creighton Blue Jays have taken down number one Connecticut tonight, 85-66. to Stephen was on a heater tonight, folks. 20 points, seven rebounds, three assists, six of 14 from the floor to lead the Blue Jays. Stephen... We talked before the season, and you said you wanted to raise raise the bar. You wanted to try to fight for a Final Four, do something magical in March. When I see you surrounded by that sea of fans tonight, has it hit you yet of how magical this scene was tonight, Omaha, and how much this was the reason why you're a Creighton Blue Jay for a night like this? Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to take maybe a few hours to hit me of how special it was, but – the crowd, the energy, the atmosphere, the the court storming, obviously, uh, it's always a debate of whether we should or shouldn't. And but it's you know the first time in Creighton history, and, and they've won 14 straight. They've they've been the the pinnacle of basketball the past few weeks, and so uh, really proud of the team and just the camaraderie and the the way that we played tonight. And you're exactly right. This is why I became a Creighton Blue Jay. I wanted to play in big games like this. I wanted to play in national televised games and. Uh, kind of show the world what I can do, what our team can do, and, and I think we did that tonight. Steven, I say this as a uh, as a UConn fan. You beat number one. Get on the court. Let your fans go. Go celebrate it. It's fun. We're here to have a good time, right? Um, yeah. Last seven games, I don't, I don't know if you know this, last seven games you are averaging 17 points, 5.2 assists, 4.5 rebounds, and shooting 42% from three. What changed over the course of the last, like, three and a half, four weeks? I mean – Honestly, a lot of extra work, a lot of extra workouts with my guy, Mitch, who is a alumni here, now our GA. He's always getting me in the gym, getting extra shots, and, and that always gives you confidence as a shooter and as a playmaker. And so uh, really just locking into the fundamentals and then defensively as well, locking into the scout, making sure that I'm prepared and that uh, Coach Matt can trust me on both ends of the floor. And then that just gives me more energy, and uh, my teammates have always been there. And that's what I love so much about this team is that You've got NBA guys on this team that just all we care about is winning. And that's unique in the college dynamic today. And so um, really just continuing to, to get those extra reps in and just give me that confidence the past few months. And uh, I feel like I'm, I'm really starting to play the basketball that I know that I can and that I uh, played last year. And so it's really been a lot of fun. Steven, so down 7-0, man. Can you just take us inside the huddle, inside your team's mindset, what was said? when you guys kind of came back out 
kind of re revitalized from, you know, that kind of hot start from UConn? Yeah, they came out through a big punch and uh, really wasn't what we wanted, uh, especially with just the environment and the atmosphere that we had in here. We wanted to make sure that we could keep building that energy and they, they really took it from the beginning. And we've got a really mature group. And so when we came into that huddle after we were down 7-0 and then I think we we're still down 11-3 maybe, uh, we just talked through it and said, hey, we've been through this before. I think our memory served us well that we knew what happened when we went to stores. And in those first few minutes, they got offensive rebounds. They got live ball turnovers, and we knew that that wasn't going to be a recipe for us to be victorious tonight. And so settled down, took a few breaths, and, and we came out in those next few minutes and really executed well. And I think that the kind of turned the tide back in our favor, and, and the home crowd was able to get back in it, and, and they were huge for us. Stephen Ashworth, before we let you go, you know, I'm reading your bio here, and it says that your first job as a kid was selling salsa door to door. You were selling yeah. salsa What were you doing? I mean, I was trying to make a living, John. I mean, I'm a young kid. Got to buy some sneakers, you know. Kobe's were still on the shelf at Foot Locker back then when I was growing up. And so if I wanted a new <laughs> pair of Kobe's, I got to make some money. And so uh, my uh, my family friend owned a, owned a salsa restaurant or a Mexican restaurant, and he had great salsa. So my neighbors wanted it. And I said, hey, I'll sell it to you for seven bucks a pop. And they're like, deal. And so a little entrepreneurship when I was growing up. And so, uh, yeah, that's that's in my bio. That's funny that you found that. <laughs> Wait, did they know you were taking the salsa or were you just taking the salsa and selling it on the side? No, no, they like they were hooking me up. Like they knew I, I wasn't okay. stealing the salsa and okay. selling it. No Robin Hood type <laughs> stuff. But I was uh, they're definitely giving me a deal. So, I mean, it was it was basically free money. But, yeah, that's uh, that's a funny story. And that's how I got my start. Honestly, that's how I got my shoe addiction. So, good or bad. That's big time. Steven Ashworth, if it helped you pay for Kobe's, I'd buy some Pico de Gallo off you too, all right? <laughs> all righty. Sounds good. I'll try to get a shipment out to you out there. <laughs> From selling salsa door to door to beating number one in the country. Steven Ashworth, thanks so much for joining us on After Dark. Take it easy, man. Have fun. You Thank you, guys. He's Stephen Ashworth. We'll be back with more of the Field of 68 After Dark coming up on the show. Bubble Watch. Who got a big win? Who fell back tonight? Get to that next. As you guys know by now, we've partnered with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for the listeners and the viewers of the Field of 68 as we all get ready for the best month of the year, March madness if you haven't signed up for betmgm yet you can use the bonus code field 150 and you will get 150 dollars in free bets on your first wager with betmgm regardless of whether or not you win that first bet here's the best part all you need to do is deposit and bet five dollars of your hard-earned money this is how you make it work download the betmgm app and sign up using the bonus code field 150 that's field 150 deposit at least five dollars and place your first wager on any game you will receive up to 150 dollars in bonus bets regardless of the outcome of your bet just make sure you use that bonus code field 150 when you sign up 
And remember, BetMGM is now available in one wallet in select states. As a New Jersey resident, this is super convenient when I have to go cover games in Philly or New York, which happens quite a bit. When you cross state borders, you just log into your existing account and fire away. You don't have to create a new account in each state. It's easy, it's simple, and it's clean. And most importantly, we have some fun stuff coming up for the conference tournaments and for the NCAA tournament. Bet insurance tokens college hoops odds boost and my personal favorite a nice little parlay boost here and there so download the BetMGM app and sign up today it's now time to break out the bubbly because we've got <laughs> bubble watch with less than four weeks to go from Selection Sunday, I've got John Henson and Rob Dowster cracking up. And we've got a, a, a situation tonight in East Lansing that made John Henson pretty fired up because in East Lansing, your final score tonight, the Iowa Hawkeyes 78, a Michigan State team that had won 8 of 10 and 13 of 17, 71. Spartans lose. They're 17 and 10. Iowa, in the last four days, they've notched two Quadrant One wins. Good for them. Good for Fran McCaffrey. They had zero before Saturday. But, but John, I, I've got this question. Is Michigan State now one of the, the sport's biggest disappointments and one of the most frustrating teams here this season? Yeah, I, I they're the most enigmatic team in the sport. I mean, you don't know what wow. you're going to get. You don't know who you're going to get it from. You don't know how you're going to get it. And you, let me tell you something. Vegas made them 10-point favorites tonight, fellas. Vegas doesn't even know what to do. That should tell you something about how crazy this Michigan State season has been going. Vegas made them 10-point home favorites against Iowa, and they lost outright by nine. So we're not the only ones that's confused. Um this team is dangerous. I don't think they go anywhere, though. It's just too much. It's too much. I I, I really don't understand it. When I see the games, I see the scores. I, it confuses me. I'm going to relent. I don't want to pile on. I'll let Rob have it. I, I just – I've never seen anything like it. I mean, seriously. Like, because the talent – the talent is there. You got Malik Hall, Aikens, Hogarth. I mean, their top four guys can play with anybody in the Big Ten. Yeah, and, and here's nice here's the problem, guys. Here's the here's the problem. So they got their top three is Malik Hall, AJ Hogarth, and Tyson Walker, right? And tonight those three combined for 47 points on 19 for 40 shooting from the floor and six for 11 from three. They had a combined 13 assists and just five turnovers, and they lost at home to Iowa when those three guys got off and played well and played efficient and put up good numbers like th that's the that's the thing that gets me right we know they're not great on the interior we know that they have big guys that uh, are are probably shouldn't play be playing starters minutes in the big 10. they need to upgrade the front court it's i think that that's obvious i don't feel like i'm taking a shot there but when you have your top three all play well and you still play a game. And look, I know the final score was seven, right? It was 78-71. This was like a 15-point game for most of the night. They were down by 12 to half. That can't happen at home <laughs> against Iowa. Like, wire it's just, to wire. 
yeah, it's not good enough. But I will say this because I, I, I'm Mr. Positivity, right? I just watch my team get blasted on the road. I don't need to be de- negative. I don't need to be talking down to people. So I'm going to be Mr. Positivity. Iowa, back-to-back games where they landed a quad one win. They are now 7-10 yeah. and 10 against the top two quadras. They have one bad loss, but here's what they got coming up. At Illinois, Penn State at home, at Northwestern, Illinois at home. They still have a chance to land three more quad one wins, and two of those are against a top 15 opponent. Currently, before the uh, the update from winning at Michigan State gets factored in, they are 67 in the net. They're probably going to be up towards like the low 50s, maybe, uh, or I'm sorry, the high 50s, low 60s in the net um, once everything kind of updates, right? They're in a spot where if they can win three of their last four games, we're going to have to have a real conversation about whether or not Iowa is actually a tournament team. Now, granted, that means you got to win a game against Illinois, who is pretty damn good, but they put themselves in a spot where they got a chance. And uh, coming from where they were even just a week ago, putting them in a spot where they got a chance is probably a good thing. So I'm going to be Mr. Positivity. Go Fran McCaffrey. Good job. Wow. (laughs) Hey, Ben Cricky was great tonight. He had 18 and 14. Peyton Sanford had 22. Look, for Iowa, they're still alive. They, They need to beat Illinois once in that stretch. We'll see what they can do. Uh, I'm going to make a prediction right now, even though we haven't gotten into our vaulted prediction. Second round game in the NCAA tournament, one versus an eight or nine. Connecticut in Brooklyn will play Tom Izzo in Michigan State in the second round of the NCAA tournament. There's there's my prediction. And I, I think you kind of win. I just think it's funny that, that that's where we're going to end up with Michigan State. John, if UConn plays – Michigan State in the second round, they're going to put Michigan down like a bad dog. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, Sending the Spartans to a funeral in Brooklyn. Uh, Let's go to the main line, where tonight Villanova welcomed in Butler. Now, our Feeling the 68 crew, the bracketologists, they're very, very smart people. Uh, Villanova is in the first four out entering the night. Also entering the night, as for Butler, they were a 10 seed in our latest bracket. So not totally danger time, although it starts to feel like that now. Butler's lost four of their last five games. Final score, Villanova 72, Butler 62. Rob Dalster, are you going to the register and, and buying a little bit of Villanova product? Um, not yet. Uh, they oh. have UConn on the road on Saturday, um, then Georgetown next Tuesday, and then they have Providence on the road, Seton Hall on the road, and Creighton at home. They still have four more quad one opportunities, and they have a chance, kind of like Iowa, to be able to put together a resume that'll get them into the dance. That Texas Tech win, uh, back in November has aged really well. That North Carolina win has aged really well. The win over Memphis. Uh, not as much, but you still have four quad one opportunities. And I think that if you're in a situation that you're on the bubble, that's kind of what you want, right? You have the opportunity to play yourself in the ball is in your court. The problem, three of those four are on the road. And the other one is against the Creighton team that just beat the number one team in the country by 19. So like, good luck with that, man. Like this is, if you're Villanova with this much talent, I don't think it feels comfortable saying, Hey, you know what? We probably got to win two really, really difficult road games and or beat Creighton in our building to have a chance to get to the NCAA tournament. Henson, you know, I watch Villanova and I sit here and say, like, I see it. I I see the talent. How is this team on the bubble? 
Yeah, they, they lost seven out of nine. You know, that's what killed them. That seven out of nine stretch where they, they kind of faltered is why they're going to have to probably – I don't know if they're going to beat UConn coming off this loss for them, but they're going to have to steal, I think, three out of five somehow, some way. Maybe four out of five. I don't think they get four out of five, but they're going to have to steal some games for them to get hey, in due Henson. to that bad stretch. Henson, the Hornets aren't going to go into Gamble Pavilion on Saturday for game day after this loss and win, okay? I don't even know if the Thanks, Lakers I, Nobody wants to go into that building on Saturday. It's going to be – and you know what else? It's an 8 o'clock tip. Do you know how lathered up those UConn students are going to be? With if, Gus Johnson. If, and if they lose to Georgetown, I mean, it's a wrap, right? Like these become must-win oh, yes. games coming down the stretch. So it's – um. It's going to be a tough road for them. But if they have the medal to do this and win some of these games and steal some games and maybe perform well in the tournament, I think they, they, they they'll be fine and they'll get in. But that's a tall task. That's a tall task. This is the, this is not the this is not the Pac-12. This is, this is this is the Big East. So that's asking a lot. Let's turn to Wake Forest. We go in the ACC, and in the ACC tonight, Wake Forest beats Pitt. Pitt, where were you? Where were you, Pittsburgh? Pitt, you should go meet Virginia for a game. It would be fun to watch right now. Final score, 91-58. to Wake Forest wins and wins by a lot. And for a team that was on the bubble this time of year, Rob, margin of victory can only help. See Forbes' team is, is right around that conversation. They're 17-9. and and they got a balanced attack tonight. Five guys in double figures. Yeah, they're 21 in Ken Palm. They're a little bit lower uh, in the net. Um, and they, they, I mean, they don't have many great wins. That's the big issue with their resume right now is that uh, they have beaten Florida at home. And Florida right now is right at, I think they're 29 in the net, which means you take one bad loss, you're playing at Alabama coming up here. You take one bad loss, you get smacked at Alabama. And we're looking at a situation where they fall outside the top 30. All of a sudden, that's not a quad one win. Uh, it says a lot of things about the way that we use the quadrant system and the way that we group that something like that could change a team's fortunes. I think it's pretty dumb, but um, – I do think it's important to, to note that uh, after this win, you get Duke at home. I think if you're Wake Forest, you have to win that. To me, that is kind of the situation where it's like, yeah, you want to get into the NCAA tournament, you got to get in there. And here's my vaulted challenge to you, Fanta, the vaulted at VLTED. I think Wake Forest gets that win on Saturday night. I think Duke comes into that building and they run into the uh, the buzzsaw. We saw John Henson's buzzsaw earlier, right? I think Wake Forest finds a way to get that win, and that gets him into the NCAA tournament. That's my vaulted challenge. That's your vaulted challenge. Go ahead, honey. I was going to say, I mean, I this is a, just an eye test. Wake Forest looks the part of a tournament team. They look the part of a mm -hmm. good team. I know they haven't got many wins, and I know, you know, stuff like that, and we see these numbers and these analytics, but – this is where you need to just watch basketball. And if you watch this Wake Forest team play, they're a good team. They're better than a lot of people see, the lot of people think. And, you know, maybe Duke will be the chance for them to show the world that they can actually come in and win some win a tough quad one game. But from a, from a perspective of just watching as a hooper, Wake Forest is good. So I hope they make the tournament because they could definitely beat somebody that they aren't supposed to beat or aren't necessarily expected to beat. Look. They, they've got the four Q2 wins. They have no bad losses, so they're in it. Uh, they need that game Saturday night. If they can get that and break through, 
Steve Forbes deserves it. He works his butt off. He's helped transform that program. He's helped bring interest back. Great fan base down there at Wake. Now they're feeling good about themselves, and they hit the portal well, and they were able to, to do it well enough to get where they are today. That's Bubble Watch coming up. Jeff Goodman is somewhere in the mountains. This is After Dark. <laughs> Big news, guys. I am thrilled to announce that we have partnered with Autograph a company founded by the GOAT himself, Tom Brady. The Autograph Fandom app gives you access to the best college hoops content, fan contests, and exclusive rewards like discounted tickets, all for doing the things that diehard fans like you already do, following your favorite team in the news and listening to podcasts just like this one. When Tom, and yes, I am calling him Tom, we're on a first name basis these days, co-founded autograph he had one mission in mind change the fan experience for the better it works like this you get all of your college hoops content you want in one place you get articles from your favorite writers pods from your favorite hosts contests from your favorite creators all on the feeds and the sites that you already enjoy but instead of having to go to all these different places it all comes to you in one spot the autograph fandom map but here's the best part. The more content that you consume, the higher you rank in the app. As you consider the level up in status on the app, you can unlock unique rewards curated exclusively for you. So download the free autograph app in the app store and use the referral code F68. That's F68. Or tap in at the link in the description below or in the podcast app of your choosing to start earning points for doing something as normal as listening to this very podcast. It really is that simple. Welcome back to the Field of 68 After Dark. We are heading all the way out to Logan, where the Utah State Aggies continue a terrific season under Danny Sprinkle. He should be in the National Coach of the Year mix. He absolutely is. Aggies beat San Diego State 68 to 63. And where in the world is Jeff Goodman? He's with Coach Sprinkle now. Jeffrey, how are you? Yes, we are in Logan, uh, my new favorite place. And uh, with Danny Sprinkle, yep. Coach of the Year candidate. And uh, that was one hell of a win. Wow. And one hell of an atmosphere. I mean, listen, you're, you're up most of the game. San Diego State comes back, which you yes. knew they were going to yep. come back, yep. right? Yep. And Darius makes a huge three, three off an offensive rebound yep. uh, with one second left in the shot yep. clock. Yep. I mean, it was kind of a Hail Mary a little yes, bit. Yes, it was. And uh, it went in. We'll take how, it. how big was this win for, for your program, for this team? It, it was huge because our respect for San Diego State, everybody in the country knows how good they are. And, you know, coming off a loss and, and having our back a little bit against the wall, you know, and still, we people still don't believe in us, and we still have a chip on our shoulder. And you want that? Though. Yeah, you want it. And uh, and our guys, they just they're together, and, and they came out and competed their butts off, and and against a great against a team that was a national runner up last year. You returned zero points. Yeah. Zero points. You're picked ninth in the preseason poll. Yep. When did you realize that this team actually had a chance to be pretty good? Probably the in the Cayman Islands, because before that, like we like we didn't play great against Southern Utah, like. But we had so many new guys. But when I saw how close this group was in the Cayman Islands, and we beat some really good teams out there, you know, like when we beat Akron, because they're a physical team, yeah. you know, I was, you know, and then Stephen F. Austin, like all sorts of different styles, and we had different guys stepping up every night. And so it was, 
it was fun to see, yeah. and and it, it makes us hard to scout and hard to guard. You know, you returned no points. Yeah. But you kind of did because you have Darius and, and great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, those we are, returned 42 tonight. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, those are two dudes who came with you from Montana yeah. State, and they were awesome tonight. And, Phenomenal. You know, Darius made big plays all over the court, and great just is much better than I thought he'd be. Yeah. In terms of the stuff you can do off the bounce, he, he does everything. For a big boy like that, yeah. for 250, the way he, he can, can move, move yeah. whoa. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of awkward sometimes the way he moves, but it, it makes him hard to guard. Yeah. You know, like he can handle the ball. He's got a 7'4 wingspan, so, that, you know, he's just herky-jerky, and, yeah. and all of a sudden he's at the rim. Um, but I thought he – you know, he had that six-minute span tonight where I thought he, he yeah. dominated from 10 feet in. He drew fouls or scored. And like you mentioned, getting, you know, that dunk that he had where he drove baseline was, was big time. So the crazy thing, and I don't want to tell you this, but I looked at your schedule, your remaining four games. Yep. They're all winnable. Like you control yeah. your own destiny now. You're yeah. in first place by yourself. Mm -hmm. I know as a coach, yeah. you don't want to look past Fresno. Yeah. But you look at it, how crazy is it that you're looking at controlling your own destiny right now in year one in the Mountain West, which the league is unbelievable Phenomenal. right now. Yeah, it, it is. It's, you know, I've, I stopped looking ahead at who we're playing. Yeah. Because it gets demoralizing in this league. You know, when you look at, yeah. oh, we got San Diego State and you got Colorado State, you got Nevada, you're at Air Force. Like, it's, it's brutal. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, you know, we have to, you know, like I told our guys, we didn't win the championship tonight. Like, we have to continue yeah. to get better. Yeah, I thought we were a little careless with the ball at times tonight and stuff we got to clean up. So, um, you know, you win a big game like this. I'm mm -hmm. expecting we're going to go out and maybe have hey. a few. And you told me there's really nowhere to go. <laughs> no. Like, where are we going? You're going to have to come to my house, man. You're going to have to come over. You're going to have to come on There's over. You're no always invited. There's no bars yeah. in Logan. That's what you're trying to tell me. Yeah. There's uh, nothing. I don't think so. Like, I haven't been to – I don't – I go home. You know who could never live here? Who? Rob Dawson. Yeah, Rob, hey, but we still got to get you to a game, Rob. <laughs> come to the game. We'll send you to Salt Lake to a bar, but you you got to come to a game. All right. That, that, that does it. We'll, <laughs> we'll send it back to the boys, um, and, and they can pick up on, uh, on Rob Doster crying right now because of UConn's uh, loss at Creighton today. Hey, and I know there's a former Aggie at, uh, at, at UConn, or at uh, Creighton tonight. So yeah, he, hopefully he, he had a game. About, did he? Oh, he made about he 10 threes. He's a good kid. Yes, yes. All right, back to you, boys. And, uh, and thank you for joining us tonight. And Can I just say for the record, Fanta, I've been to the Spectrum. I've been to Logan. I went to a game in the Wild Bill days. I did the I Believe That We Can Win chant. Uh, I did all of the, the student section stuff that made me touch special. Yeah, I've been there. Man. I got the videos. I'll show you. I didn't wear one of the Wild Bill costumes. Um, we're, we're saving that for goodness, but I've been there. I promise you, Sprink, I've been there, man. Hey, did you go to a bar when you came here? Because that's how I know I if you're not. lying or not. <laughs> I, I did not. You said you so did, after I the game, after the game, I, I'm not even joking. Uh, the, our friends there took us out for ice cream sundays. That's where we went after. That's right, baby. That's right. That's right. That's how we so do wholesome. So wholesome here in Logan. And with the last right, name like you, Sprinkle, there's, with the last name like Sprinkle, there's got to be something at that ice cream parlor in honor of the Utah State be. head coach. Yeah. No doubt, Danny. Congratulations. <laughs> Take care of Jeff. Make sure he doesn't turn into Jack Nicholson in The Shining in the mountains out there. <laughs> hey, appreciate you guys. We're going to hire him to be our IT, our IT guy on campus. I killed him. You can have him. You can have him. You can take Please, him. Take, take him. him. Take him. Coach. <laughs>
We'll see you guys. All right, we're out. We're out. I got to find that one bar. The one bar, I'm going to find it. All right, best of luck to you. And in another 20 seconds, they'll be back on. You know, could you imagine (laughs) if (laughs) – like, I just thought of it now. Could you imagine if if Goodman was just, like, on every stream in the background? It just, like, you know, like (laughs) – Can we – John, can we go back to this? There's not a bar in the town. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I wouldn't make it there. It's how? But no, seriously, like, how do you not have a bar? You're at college. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't. Where do I they go? Is it house parties? I gotta talk to somebody. We need. To, I need to talk to. I need to talk to someone. Yeah, that's. Uh, they go <laughs> out for ice cream. They get ice cream sundays. A little bit of whipped cream, a banana split. Uh, we, we got a couple minutes left here on Sirius. Moonshine. Uh, I, got moonshine. I got some got some moonshine in there over there, too. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Plenty of moonshine in, in Logan. Um, in exactly. Uh, let's get to another ranked team here tonight. Because, Rob, I, I saw you tweet this. Oh, no, you texted us tonight. And uh, of your many messages, one of them stood, stood out to me, and you said, is, is Tennessee ever going to wake up? Uh, well, mm-hmm. they eventually did. They they beat Missouri, who hasn't won an SEC game tonight, seventy two to sixty seven. What's your take on the Volunteers? Uh, for about twenty eight minutes, it looked like they were playing a road game in an empty building against a winless team, where they assumed that they were going to walk in and win by thirty five. Wow. Uh, and then at about the thirteen minute mark of the second half, Dalton Connect, the lottery pick, showed up reeled off 15 points in about like the span of seven possessions. All of a sudden, Tennessee was up by 11 out of nowhere, and uh, the game was over. I mean, it's it's really, really impressive to, to watch that dude and the way that he can kind of flip a switch and take over a game. And I, I'm, we're not really breaking news here saying that don't connect is one of the best scorers in college basketball, right? But I, to me, to be a great scorer, to be an elite scorer, to be able to do the things that he does – it is going out and when you're struggling, I think he missed like his first nine shots tonight to keep going and keep doing it. Like he was 0 for 7 from the floor and he took a ridiculous uh, three from the corner at one point that hit off the side of the backboard on the very next possession. He hanged down and shot another three and he actually hit that one. Like that's when you know you're a great scorer when you, one, have the confidence to do that and, two, do it and don't get yanked out of the game. It's it just he's so much fun to watch and, and he won that game for them tonight because Tennessee did not play well at all. Buy or sell, Henson. Tennessee can win it all. I'm buying it. Um, you know, they have the offensive firepower. They have the star power. They play defense. Uh, like Rob said, Don't Connect woke up and took over the game. And when you're in a NCAA tournament, performances or players like him can legit win you games, right? Like, Everybody's not really doing what you're kind of meddling around. You're you're playing against a team, going back and forth, and then boom, he sparks you for a 10-point run, it's over. Um, I like Tennessee. They're really good. Dalt connects one of my favorite players to watch. He'll be playing in the NBA someday. Um, but this is definitely a team that I think I would love to see them play in person, man. Maybe in the final four. Um, that's a team I kind of have circled that I would I would like to see in person, man. They uh they're fun to watch, and, and Rick Barnes recruited me. I was actually going to go to Texas, so I'm a fan of his as well. Um, hopefully, I, I can see him. Hey, Rob, maybe in Phoenix we could talk and chat and see if uh, we let bygones be bygones. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, we'll see, man. 
We got two minutes. Rob Doster, toast of the night. Who are you toasting? Well, how could you toast anybody other than the Creighton Blue Jays, man? And it breaks my heart just a little bit to have to go out and do this. But you put up 85 on the number one team in the country. You beat the number one team in the country by 19. You put up 14 threes on a team that doesn't allow teams to shoot threes against them. It can't be anybody else. The Creighton Blue Jays, Gray McDermott, Stephen Ashworth. Cheers. Salud. Hell of a performance tonight. Uh, statement win. Anson. I am – I am going to go with our guy, Field of 68, R.C., Randolph Childress. He got his, he got retired. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was like a Wake Forest ring of honor. I don't know, something uh, like that. But he's forever in the rafters, forever retired at a school, which he deserves. Long time coming. Cheers to our guy, R.C. Cheers, Randolph Childress. We love you, R.C. Yes. Congratulations. Congratulations. Um, you know what? I'm going to cheers a team. I'm actually going to cheers a coach that we have not talked about tonight. And a team that I think is is flying under the radar. Red Autry. Red Autry. I think he's done a nice job in year one at the helm at Syracuse. And tonight they went on the road to NC State. They were an eight-point underdog. They won 87 to 83. They got 26 points from Chris Bell. He shot eight of ten from three. Dude was hooping. And Quadir Copeland had a big game with 25. I'm telling you what, not a tournament team this year, but Red Autry has things going in the right direction there. That's a nice result for them. But we're all toasting Creighton. That scene in Omaha is everything college hoops stands for. And the Blue Jays, for the first time ever, can say this. They beat number one. You can't down. This is what After Dark's all about. We'll see you tomorrow. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine. Stop noticing. But you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour 3-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.